0: Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast,
1: your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Hey gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire and today on the pod I have two very special guests. Uh, and they are, they are both repeat guests, so I'm just bringing my friends together for a chat. Uh, I have Jason from Shelf Stories. How you doing, Jason?
2: Yo, my peoples, what's up?
1: And I have my friend, Paul Wright, who, um, is a scholar, a teacher, and also one of my current co-designers on a game project. So how you doing, Paul? Good.
0: Good. Thinking about our game. Of course, <laughs> you better stop be. you
2: can't stop. Yeah. once what's it's in there, unless it reaches like a point where you could really hand it off to something. And it's like, it's just always
0: there.
1: It's always <laughs> on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but today we're going to get together to talk about a really huge game. Uh, and that would be Mr. President, because Mm -hmm. I feel like that one landed like the full subtitle. It's the American presidency, 2001 to 2020. Is that where it stops? Yeah. Yeah. They
2: don't don't get into the pandemic, but uh, yeah, 2001 to 2020. So, you know, whatever association people have. Yes. (laughs) They tried to jam it at some level in this game
1: indeed indeed i prefer to think of it as doctor president but you know it's fine um, <laughs> uh, but this game hit the uh the war game scene especially like an asteroid it's the size of an asteroid when it arrives at your door um <laughs> and it's probably the largest and most just kind of lengthy setup lengthy figure out how to play it like eight manuals game that i've ever seen and yet it is a very captivating game and it has really like it appeared on the top um solo historical games list that brant and i from brant from the Armchair armchair dragoons and i put together this year so paul you jason and i've each played the game once because it it took time you have played it several times which is why you're on here so do you want to give us like a rundown of what's going on in mr president
0: sure um, so Every, I've played yeah. <laughs> I've played it um, about four times on my own, um, the fourth time at, I think, the normal difficulty, which is plenty hard. Um, and that took me through two terms. I actually got through two terms, which was kind of my goal. Um, and I'm currently playing it online via Vassal uh, with two friends, one of whom is a retired Air Force colonel and military intelligence analyst and the other of whom is a sociologist and world friends and gaming partners. Um, and that game is right in the middle. Um, it is a game that can work better online sometimes because of the footprint of the actual game, which, which I love having out on a table. I have the right table for it, but it is um, a slog to, to set it all up and, and to, to get it going. And it's a game you're not gonna finish in an afternoon. It's a game you're not gonna finish uh, probably in a week um, it, it's a time commitment, um, but if you can afford to leave it set up, it's quite engrossing. Um, it covers all the domestic challenges of an American president alongside all the foreign policy challenges. So there are really two halves to the game and two halves to the board. And the way the designer puts it is you can lose the game in the foreign policy arena and you're trying to avoid losing the game there. You can win the game in the domestic arena and so you have to pay attention to both sides and it's a constant uh balancing act that'd be the short version
1: (laughs) so how long are your play sessions for it and then like how often like how many play sessions of that does it take to finish the game just out of curiosity
0: yeah so my current group again we're taking a solo game and playing it three-headed um basically i'm playing the president my friend brent griffin the air force colonel is handling the uh, military and foreign policy issues Diplomatic issues and my friend Andrew Rowan who's a sociologist is uh, my chief of staff handling the domestic front. It's really an interesting and engaging game played with others. Actually, I think I kind of prefer it this way because there's really a consultative process. um, Much like a presidential cabinet that uh, I think helps you play the game and and in certain ways makes you play it better. Um, We play once a week for about two hours on vassal and we've done about my count is about 10 sessions and we have just finished the first two years and gotten through the midterm elections um, and we're heading forward from that so it takes time um, partly because you're online you're dealing with discord you're dealing with all the technological things that can slow you down as much as help you um, but we really have enjoyed it we play so many different things together you've played with brent uh liz in republic of Rome.
1: i have uh, that yeah, traitorous I mean, man yeah
0: yeah yeah he was there um <laughs> but it's been a blast uh i actually think i prefer it uh this way
1: that's awesome
2: i mean in terms of the mechanisms um like the actual play experience like you know it, it it's not a game where you have like avatars right you don't have, like you said mentioned for the secretary skate and all that kind of thing like you don't have like a piece right and so i guess we could try to paint a word picture for people who are listening on the podcast or who haven't seen it um it the way I describe it, it's more like three or four separate board games kind of together, <laughs> right? um So, and they're and they're they all kind of work the same. Like you know, I think we we think like heavy game, right? We think and I'm coming at it from like a Euro paradigm, and this is very different, very different from a Euro paradigm. um So, in a Euro in a Euro kind of way, a heavy quote unquote Euro game, you're 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 doing one move. You get resources and then you turn the resources into something else and you turn you know and it's like there's this kind of like building stuff and it's like points 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 it's almost like a, an abundance paradigm in a in Euro games. here no <laughs> there's not a lot of abundance here it is a crisis management game at the end of the day uh and it there are a number of tracks this game is tracks 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 tracks, tracks more tracks and everything you get tracks for the, uh the domestic side really has a lot of the tracks and then you have um you know the different things like you'd have to remember, like cyber and you know you can kind of uh all these things that you can improve space uh and you know as you improve these things uh generally you're it's not really like you're getting that many bonuses you're really kind of outpacing your enemies the rushes the chinese uh and all that kind of thing uh and so when you do a thing which mostly it's like okay i'm gonna address this thing uh, and uh, you get like i think what 20 25 action points depending on what mode you're playing in so it sounds like a lot of action points there's a lot of phases <laughs> <laughs> to go yeah, in you can hurry. really run out yeah there I- is a lot of phases like you like you know each one of these things like you know each within the domestic sphere there's all these things to do and then within the foreign sphere there's all these things to do. like the, the 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 actual action track is what 25 spaces long and it's like this kind of like state, uh, it's not a state track, but like you, you're you're constantly checking, okay, this phase, this phase, this phase. Uh, and you're and there's certain things that only the president can do. There's certain things that only secretary of state, uh well, the secretary of state can do. Uh, the president can do everything, they could do take every action, but the secretary of state is empowered to take actions of the foreign area and, and they get like certain bonuses it depending on uh like if your secretary of state has it, it inherent bonuses and you pick kind of your cabinet at the beginning of the game that's random that could be fun <laughs> uh but like you get certain bonuses depending on which what kind of secretaries that you have and it's like okay they have a plus one to this one this role plus one to that role etc dealing with different threats uh in and if you if you're talking about the foreign area then there's like you know the middle east and africa and all these other places then you have uh, within those things, okay, what, how are they doing? Are they your ally? Are they, um, you know, hotbeds of civil war? Uh, you know, are they developing little rogue states and you have to deal with the rogue states? And so, y- as you uh, take actions in these areas, basically the paradigm is calm it down, you know, or, or manage it. Okay, look, I'm gonna, I can let that one inflame while I work on this thing, et cetera. So, you're always kind of balancing these things and i mean i think just from again from a euro gamer's perspective it's not a case where you do a thing you get like a resource you get whatever you're managing a crisis it's like that's what you get <laughs> you get yeah. a managed crisis there are some little things we can get into that in terms of like um what is it called the drm the the dice modifier role is that the yes drm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like the big thing, right? So a lot of the game funnels towards, you know, if you achieve like a really great success, you get a DRM. <laughs> a lot of it's like, okay, and and so this is something that we're going to talk. I, I imagine a fair bit about with terms of the mechanisms, the dice. This game yes. is dicey. Wow. Uh, it, it's very part,
1: dicey. Yeah, I
2: mean, this it, game you is you know for a game for a game this big, and that's another thing that a uh, uh, quote unquote big hero game. Uh, and this is kind of bring it sadly towards the war war game traditional paradigm. You know, every pretty much every time you want to make progress on a track, you're adding up your bonuses. What does the president get? What does your your other pieces get? What is the state of the economy? What is the state of that? You're you're kind of looking at the, your this entire big thing. What pluses do I get? What what are my modifiers? How can I apply my DRMs? And you roll a D10. Boom. <laughs> either, and you either get it or you don't. And you can spend an action point to re-roll. But you don't get a lot of mitigation like i think the game wants to like okay no this was bad you have to deal with whatever that is you know no matter your best laid plans you you know if you miss the role you got to deal with it uh and because and i think what the game wants to do is because that that sounds like rough but i think what the game wants to put forward is there's so many roles and there's so much to do that if you know if you are if you have like a just a, a typical bell curve of roles then some are going to work out, some are not going to work out and the game will kind of like move you along that way. It's not going to kind of handhold you and be like, okay, yeah, you missed that role. Okay. Get this token. You get the next, no, you're not, it's not going to do that.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, the roles are a big yeah. part of my mental understanding of the game, but it's also, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's really a game of just, it's so many charts.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's seven. And charts and yes.
1: You, it, it's like, you want to give attention to everything. It's the, it's the ultimate in spinning plates you are you have a bunch of plates spinning you try not to let them drop you're gonna have to let something drop because you, you know maybe the roles aren't with you or you don't have enough actions because they're, they're really it never feels like there's enough action points in a year even if you're playing on like easy uh, that wouldn't even be like I played normal but there's still you know <laughs>
2: it's there's so there's I guess like so it depends. I'll, I'll put a, a pin in that just it depends I think um I think there's going to be a, a, a want to, like, I want to take care of a lot of things, and I could know these are all important. And I think the game wants to educate you and say, no, you must decide which things you're going to let go to hell. Oh, yeah.
1: And which, but you know, like, this is go. a
2: decision you must make. And, you know, you're, you're, because the goal of the game is to basically get through the four years. Like, and that's that's really like the overarching goal of the game. And you don't have to get to in that sterling condition. Like, if you play on an easier mode, it's, it's easier. You can, you know, really romp. But normal, <laughs> like because Paul can attest to. And as I was able to kind of uh piece together, because I played like a, a easy first year and then a normal first year. Uh and no, the difference is massive. It is and yeah. oh yeah, you know, and in easy you can kind of like feel really good and feel like you've done a lot in the, but in normal mode and you can uh, Paul can break down the difference, but what they did to make that
0: different. Um, like it was like I was I'm looking at fires. <laughs> I'm just <Yeah>. <laughs> So fundamentally, from a mechanic standpoint, um, you'll end up with fewer action points and resources in general if you're playing normal versus easy, let alone hard. I haven't even tried that yet. (laughs) Um, Another difference is on easy mode, you can um, call on a built-in modifier in your favor to just about any dice roll. Um, that felt too easy and gamey to me, so I kind of quickly moved past it. But then came all the uh, anguish and struggle that came with playing it on normal mode. Um, the way I would put it, you know, I, I was reminded um, in thinking about the game of the um, old Yakov Smirnov jokes about the Soviet Union, right? And the version for this game would be, uh, Mr. President, uh, in Mr. President, game plays you. Uh, and that is sometimes how you feel. Um, You feel like you are hostage to all these different things that are happening all at once that you can't control. You will not get your way on most things, (laughs) Uh, sometimes on nothing. And so what you were talking about, Liz, in terms of the plate spinning, uh, whack-a-mole, whatever you'd want to call it, that's how it feels to manage the problems. And I think the trade-off is if you like emergent narrative... Mm-hmm. There are a few games that are going to give you as much an emergent narrative as this, including over-repeat plays where the situation can be drastically different. I found each game to have a very different feel, mm-hmm. very different problems. Um, yeah. That's in part a credit to the vast number of events that have been created for the game and the variety in how each event can roll out. So even the same event won't roll out exactly the same way in each game. So if you right. like emergent narrative, great game for you. You have to have, I would say, though, a certain tolerance, and I would even say appetite um, for being overwhelmed by contingencies and for being unable to achieve everything you want to achieve all the time. If your goal in playing a game is to have a strong, almost unchallenged sense of agency and autonomy, this may not be the game for you. You're going to have to make your peace with the cognitive dissonance that comes with um, trying to manage affairs that are beyond any one person's control, any one nation's control. Uh, and I think for me, I have that appetite. I like that kind of challenge. So this will absorb me, draw me in, keep me playing for years. I have no doubt about it. Um, even with, you know, the the areas in which I would have done things differently or I have my own concerns. But it is certainly uh, engaging if you can stomach um, you know, that that lack of control, because there will be times when, as as Jason was saying, you'll just have to let something go and realize, I can't fix that, I can't change that. I can mitigate it a little, I can try and reduce the impact of the problem, but I'm not going to erase it. And sometimes that's a foreign policy problem, but it's also a domestic problem sometimes. You can have problems at home. Um, One thing I would observe, and and Jason probably noticed this too, um, and Liz in your plays, um, on the domestic front, in terms of politics and policy and party, the game never specifies your political party.
1: Right. No, and a lot of that spe- is very smoothed out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the game
0: never specifies necessarily your particular positions on a given issue. So you might be advancing a bill through Congress on military spending or energy independence or immigration or whatever. Um, but you actually, don't have the game spell out for you what your party's position on that is, or what you you personally have a position on that as president. Um, I do think narratively, the people playing the game, especially when more than one person is playing it, they can fill in those blanks. So we have found in the three player game that we have talked about policy specifics that the game is more or less agnostic on from a mechanics point of view. And I think there are different feelings about that. I've seen critiques of the game because it hasn't been more specific uh, and I've seen people celebrate that because they say, well, it gets beyond uh, the usual party dynamics of the country we know right now. Um, And it doesn't say that those things don't matter, but it uh, posits that you as president are dealing with pressures coming at you from all sides from the populace at large, from your own party, from people across the aisle in Congress, right? All these different um, factions are are calling on you to support their vision of things. And so you're trying to advance your vision of things in the midst of that. And so you can play it without ever going deeper into those issues in terms of what your legislation would actually look like. Yeah. Um, but I personally enjoy trying to imagine What our legislation looks like and what we're trying to say uh, by way of you know great society initiatives or anything Mm -hmm. else of that nature that we're trying to develop.
2: Yeah, I mean it like it. So it's okay good economy right and so like your tracker is good and bad and different parties are going to have different ideas of what a good economy is so like you know a Democrat in th- traditional American uh politics would you know m- a lot of government spending a lot of you know generous programs and all that kind of thing uh, at least in a traditional paradigm and then uh they're probably going be like oh, no, you know that's bad <laughs> you know like and there's a lot of conservatives think the new, the whole new deal was bad right and like every you know we kind of immiserated a country by institute in the new deal and we got better when we started cutting taxes and cutting programs and that kind of stuff uh the gu- this East game is silent all that uh i would say like this game felt like a like west wing the board game in a lot of ways uh Mm -hmm. so west wing if you saw it i mean west wing they would get into like the politics and everything and the policies but that wasn't the big thing the center it was more just like the you know the president as a successful person and no matter what policy is the president successful Uh, is the president uh in charge and is the president managing conflicts and in terms of what the game is trying to evoke i mean you could you could spend what 20 hours like you know playing like a full thing and over the course of that 20 hours i think the sense is you want to you know, you want to get like a full season of a of a show of West Wing. Like you want to be like, okay, yeah. the highs and the lows, and I had things managed at this point, and you know, then this crisis came in, and I had to respond to it, and I've been working on my cyber for you know four, and then all of a sudden, wham, you know, the Russians sped past me because of other things, and like, it, it the game really prides itself on these like, not a sitcom, but like a procedural. Uh, you know, ongoing serialized show type moments, and you know, putting you in the active role and responding to these moments, and you know, it, it's it's in that. Like I think the the beginning of the game was like ten years ago, right, or something like that. Like this game's been in development a very very long time. Long been- time. before george floyd before you know i mean this was in like i I think the obama years was when this started and i think that was the kind of height people call it like quote unquote neoliberalism and uh whatever but i think the idea was like the the government is like a big technical problem to be solved and uh and this game is basically a dashboard where that presents a whole bunch of problems in the most technical way possible. Uh you know the uh rogue state is here. How are you going to solve that technical problem? If you do that then you're going to do this. And you know if you, you know, if you pay attention to that then you're not gonna, like it's it's so technical and it just feels uh, uh it's almost like playing like a a, a, a something from a different time <laughs> in, in terms of our because we don't think about that way now we're very we're yeah. much more like you know tribal we're much more like you know aware of marginalized people for better or for worse what you know however that works uh we're not we don't and, and a lot more skeptical of the, of government in our day in 2023 so this almost feels like a, a parachuted in from 10 years ago in terms of how it conceives of the overall process of government
1: is it bad like, that made me feel nostalgic too like Mm. sometimes i look back at those years like oh yes back when we were watching the obama romney debates in college it was so civil
2: um john mccain was uh, was saying oh no no we have to respect obama don't call him an arab you know we have to uh you know, assert comedy and everything it, it, it's very much that like you know there's no yeah. substantive difference between like bush and obama they're all trying to manage the problems in their own
1: yeah
0: way. i like jason's um uh, evocation of of west wing i think that's that's a good um touch point um i also think you know along the lines of what he was talking about he said the game is like a cockpit or or you could say like a ship of state and you're trying to navigate it and what you discover usually the hard way is if you're trying to turn a massive ship think an aircraft carrier you can't turn on a dime right right, there are glacial processes at work in everything you want to do in the game and you have to have a certain tolerance for that as well. um the dopamine hit that comes from great games, you'll get it, but it is going gonna be delayed and you're gonna have to earn it <laughs> Very a lot of play. So
2: like if something blows up in the Middle East, right uh, yeah. and, you know let's say you had your you know um because in, in the beginning the, the, the board starts pretty sedate you know there isn't there aren't that many you know crises and everything and you have yeah although to kind nobody
1: of... likes you either so it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you 40% of yeah like no that. one likes
2: you but it's not like you know war 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 it's not like you know uh, jump you into that uh but like you know so you're um so let's say like the middle east because i think there's always going to be one area that has like more than other stuff you know like in terms of the rogue states and the um civilian unrest or whatever you have um so if you if something pops off and i'm thinking the middle east right now because of what's happening current events uh but like if that gets hot you have to orient multiple turns multiple actions you have to stomach multiple failed roles <laughs> or like sacrifice AP. So that's what ended up happening was like okay I, I you know i i always think and i think in terms of playing well and i, I made this mistake and this wasn't managed till later like my instinct as a gamer was like if i miss a roll, that's bad and i'm going to use my ap to re-roll and that's just not the way to approach this game like there are times where it's like you rolled you miss it that's nothing and then you have to move on to the next thing uh, but to, but so that that was like a side thing, but to the point of like, you know, you do have to, you know, generate five different things. You have to maybe swap out your secretary of state the wrong. You have the wrong bonuses in your secretary of state. And is it the action where you could do was okay, like, OK, I'm going to swap you. I'll get another one. Maybe you have to, you know, build up your uh your. What is it? the What's the one where it's like you can get that kind of global one DRM? Like you put the, the, the track on the way down and you get like a big DRM. I remember I remember doing that, but I forget exactly what it was called anyway. So like you're that's multiple turns too. uh and so and all while you're doing that i you know the middle east is cooking it's like oh no what's going on here
1: yeah so actually Paul, i wanted to ask you like you know talk about the kind of ship of state aspect like you've been playing it with brent who like actually knows things about the ship of state from like that sort of bureaucratic end as opposed to like elected so what did what did he think about it
0: yeah um two, two observations one first on um the play time and the commitment the game requires, which we've, I think, captured, right, is pretty heavy and (laughs) pretty significant. Um, I will say one nice thing. I don't tend to go this route, but I know a lot of gamers do. There are a lot of um, self-contained scenarios Mm. you can play. So you don't have to play the whole damn thing. You can play certain moments of crisis and have a much shorter game experience, maybe even one that's manageable in one long day. Um, and I think there will be more scenarios created for the game, including by uh, fans. I've even seen some people uh, say, and I think they're right, that you could adapt this uh, to an earlier period of American history and very different presidencies. So what would this game look like in the era of Lincoln or FDR? You could adapt um, this to knows- like
2: multinational corporation, like this could be Exxon. If you really, really wanted it to be like you know any corporation that is, you know, or Apple, like you can make this the Apple game where it's like okay, I'm trying to get into China and like I'm trying to fight India and everything. Like it, it would be like a stretch with everything, but that's that's the kind of like scope you're looking at with this engine. Yeah. So, but
0: reskinning the game for any of those earlier earlier eras, you know, God knows how long it would take to actually implement the game. It took this one long enough. And I think one of the things I admire about it is, you know, when I look at game designs, uh, whether they work 100 percent or not. I always look at degree of difficulty. Like, what Mm. are you attempting to model? What are you attempting to capture? And that's what I admire. Um, You know, I followed this game from the earliest rumblings about its existence. I waited. I got to a point, of course, where I thought it's never going to come. I'm just going to forget about it and play other things. And when it finally showed up on my doorstep, you know, it just blew me away how much was in the box, as we've said. Um, I did get Brent's take on this. I just want to share with you something he said. Um, he wrote me Mr. President, uh, on Mr. President, no game can truly capture the push and pull and give and take at the highest levels of government, but this one does an admirable job. Like I've said before, it almost reminds me of work. Uh, it does a great job of forcing players to not necessarily look for the best solution, but the least bad. It also shows that many problems have no immediate solution, and the best you can do is keep them simmering either for the long term or until an opportunity appears. I really would have appreciated playing this game at Air War College. It forces you to really weigh all the angles. Mm-hmm. So from his point of view, it captures an awful lot uh, in terms of the, the policy analysis that he did professionally and the insoluble, intractable problems that he encountered all the time, that nations encounter all the time. Uh, so from that point of view, I, I, I admire uh, the effort, even where I might quibble with particular implementations
2: this yeah, is and a I think... magisterial game like i, oh, I mean yeah. and i have my criticisms of it uh and it is not a game that is going to be like you know hopping off my shelf anytime soon uh but th- i just admiring the craft admiring the scope and the, the the ambition you know um and it definitely works as a game and it is surprisingly simple like it's not it's not a hard game to learn Right, because it's basically seven. It's basically seven spreadsheets spread out, right? And it's like, okay, what the the, the cognitive load is in how, like, what do I do? How do these have the interactions? Really, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you know, in, in order to have success in the foreign, you know, I, I, you know, solve this problem in the foreign air, etc. Which of these other charts? These individually easy to understand charts. Which of these can I manipulate in order to get what I need in order to solve the the foreign thing? And then, like, what when I solve the foreign thing, what does it get me, and how can I use that back in the domestic fear? So it's the interactions where the heaviness is. It's it's shockingly not a. I didn't find this a really difficult game to just learn. Like it wasn't. Yeah, I like actually yeah.
1: want to hop in on this, which is yeah. I think that the thing that makes Mr. President such a difficult game to assess in terms of its difficulty level is that there is no one aspect of the game that is that hard it's not a hard game in the sense of playing and if you just follow the manual yes there are lots of things to follow but actually like the layout's super nice it's like okay so you know here's your action phase one two three four final actions like just do the thing and like you just do it in order and there's like There's a guide for it. It's really not bad in terms of cognitive load in the moment. It's like in aggregate where it really starts to get you and in seeing, yes, the interactions, as you know, that makes it hard. So it's like I was, I just looked it up on BGG. It's like a 4.19 out of five on weight. And I would say that, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably about right because it is heavy in the sense of putting it all together, but there isn't any one moment that feels that heavy. Does that make sense? And
0: Liz. Liz, that's where having people to play it with really helps because having a foreign policy military person, they can focus on those systems and mechanics. Mm -hmm. The domestic person focuses on those so that nobody's cognitive overload is too much. And I think playing it collectively teaches you to appreciate counsel and advice. Um, I I really (laughs) love that aspect of the game. I, I know it's a solo game, I bought it because it was a solo game and I've enjoyed it that way, but mm-hmm. nowhere near as much as I've enjoyed it, playing it with, um, you know, like minded friends and we don't agree on everything. Right. We sometimes make the yeah. wrong call. And at the end of the day, they'll defer to me and say, well, you're the president. Right. They'll put it on me. Oh no. um, But but I, I love the fact that the game, as you, you're all pointing out, um, no one part of it is too rough but you put it all together, it can be rough. Um, and there are also unintended consequences. Some things you do have blowback that you only are clear on later on in the game. And I think that is a realistic aspect of the game. For sure. I, I like yeah. that, that element.
2: I there. mean, um, so like you couldn't do what you were describing, like have the three person solo game as like, you know I don't know, Feast Road in there. I mean, you could if everybody knew the game, but like it's three people like having, all. Those three people have to know everything about the the entire system and like all the interactions in order to get in order like kind of get euro. And then we're talking about it. In Mr. President, you can like the the foreign policy can really just set in the foreign policy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And that, that, that system exists separately. And it's like okay, um, there are certain things that have to happen in the Air, but they don't have to know the system for it. They just have to know like, okay, how much DRM do I get on this roll? <laughs> how you know? How many um, can the economy produce enough? Uh, uh, you know, military assets that I can bring to the area. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know how you did it. <laughs> I, need, yeah, I don't
0: exactly. need to do
2: anything that will affect you. Just like, how many planes do I get? How much stuff do I get? And so the systems are independent. Uh, the output of the systems interact, but the systems are independent. Where in a euro, the system is interdependent. If mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Uh, and so that make that definitely shift the paradigm. And that's why, like we mentioned the BGG thing with weight, it's such a funny thing in terms of like, this is such a different game than so many other heavy euros out there that it's almost like weird to score that with the same grade. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Paul, do you have any other final thoughts before I pivot to a broader topic? Oh, oh, I, I,
2: I, I have some theme thought, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead
1: go ahead now and then i no, I'll actually
2: uh, as it. long as we're talking mechanisms i finish the mechanism stuff and then i'll get to just overall assessment of the um
0: maybe this uh feeds into you a little jason um in terms of theme and sort of ideological orientation in the game um, again i think it's pretty agnostic the you know domestic left and right politics i don't think it wants to get into the weeds on that that was probably not only um Solid mechanism decision, but also probably a pretty smart marketing decision, right? Because this game could be picked up by just about anybody in our very divided country right now, and that person can play the game, you know, sort of with their own ideological spin on on what they're experiencing. Um, the part of the game, though, that I think is is worth um, uh, interrogating a little bit is the assumption that on the foreign policy front, where you cannot win. But you most certainly can lose, and and I will layer into the possibilities of losing, you can be impeached, you can be removed from office, perhaps unjustly even, but you can be removed from office, so you're constantly worried about that. But in that foreign policy sphere, I think the game leans into the assumption that intervention is a good thing. Um, Now, it does give you options to do military intervention or to do uh humanitarian style interventions or to use the united nations as your mediator in trying to improve situations abroad so i won't say it is um, militaristic in the way a lot of classic war games obviously are um, but it certainly assumes that uh, the united states needs to be involved in pretty much everything happening around the globe um, i do credit the game with sort of making uh, on a meta level players reflect on that Right. Because as we're playing our game with my friends, we're asking, like, are these really sound interventions? I mean, we're doing this because it works for the game, but would we really do this in real life if we were in charge? So I think the game invites reflection on these questions, but it does start from the position, right, that the United States presence abroad is fundamentally a good thing and something that you need to embrace if you're going to have any chance of winning the game
2: that is exactly where i was going to go with the theme stuff um so i'm a, a, a people know I'm, I'm a leftist uh i'm i mean i, I don't love that term but like whatever that's, the, that's a word uh and you know in the tradition of like a Howard's in terms of the history stuff and you know very much critical of government and all that kind of thing uh, especially you know abroad uh so we'll focus on the abroad for this uh mr president as much as mechanically, as much as experientially is a wonderful magisterial game. If you're into this, if you could stomach the things that Paul was talking about in terms of the randomness and the, you know, if all that stuff, right? So there's so much this game has to offer. As a piece that says something about the American sphere, it is just blue sky, hagiographical hey, America is wonderful, which is exactly in terms of the parachuting from 2011 or so that's that that was totally the rhetoric because you know you know we're bringing democracy to Iraq, we're bringing democracy to Afghanistan. we're bringing we're not bringing anything we're bringing war, we're bringing you know Raytheon, <laughs> we're bringing bombs, we're bringing uh, uh, you know, all these terrible things like you know so in terms of like American adventure being a good thing, there's no real option to have the game say okay, I'm gonna come over there and I'm gonna bring war. And I'm going to come over there and like I'm going to scuttle peace processes. Like so that you know this is a little bit of a later thing, but there is evidence that in terms of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, that America has played a role in scuttling peace. And you can go ahead and look that up, you know, and all that kind of thing. But like you know, this is something that stuff that you know we prolonged war in Afghanistan, we you know, provoked our uh, you know relations in the Middle East and you know further east, and like none of that is represented in the game. And so to your point, Paul, like this game. Like you say, the game advice discussion, but because you know how what discussions to have because of your background, because you've played other games, because you know you're playing with a, a, a air force captain, <laughs> you're playing with people who have had opportunity to bring that in there. I don't think it comes from the game itself. I think if you're just coming in and you you know you had a, a general regular American education about you know the government, uh, you know out of the, straight out of the textbook so to speak. Uh, you're not going to have any kind of reflection that America does difficult things overseas. As a matter of fact, when difficult things happen in the world, it's because we failed, as in the role fails, right? So, like, I I messed up and that's why, you know, that was bad. But there's no sense that, like, okay, just me being there at all could be triggering the bad things. And, you know, then there's, like, little things in there so like you, know, you talk about like you know representing kind of um military assets present in areas like you know different you know the ships and the planes and stuff like i think the game wants to say okay well, you know we have a heavy presence or a light presence or whatever it is we have a heavy presence in almost every sphere that is represented like in real life we have hundreds of bases uh, bases not just like assets but bases around the world Uh, you know surrounding all the places uh, where we identify as difficult iran iraq and you know uh, different places uh in a you know, china sea all that kind of thing uh so like we're already there in real life but in the game it's like oh we have a light presence (laughs) and if we decide you know we'll put more just to solve a problem it's like oh come on you know and anyone who is a critic of american empire as i i I am uh is going to debt it's just going to leap out of you you know and and, in it can the game can say what it says, but I, I think the game doesn't present it with any kind of questioning any kind of questioning has the, the player has to bring it from the previous experience. I don't think it's in the game.
0: I think some elements of the game invite the questioning um, the events I'll point to and obviously sure. I couldn't list all the events. I haven't even encountered them all yet. That's how many there are. Um, but some of them do point to um, uh, Missteps on the apart on the part of the United States leading to crises and problems and sometimes the misstep is just hardwired into the event other times it's the result of a die roll so you would roll against for example your secretary of state's ratings and things like that and see if you know there was a a a mistake that created more harm than good so there are are aspects of the game that i think actually get at that Um, vis-a-vis um democracy abroad and governmental systems the game mechanically Um, tries to be agnostic on that um, except to the extent that in each region of the world, you have two things being measured. One is regional alignment. So how close the region trends towards the United States as an ally or partner, um, which is an aggregate description, right? It doesn't presume that every nation in that region loves the United States, but it's gauging relatively speaking, right? How much goodwill is there to the US? And then the other thing being measured is stability. So that's its way of getting at governance. Um, and in that way, it's a little bit similar, I don't know by intent, but a little bit similar to Volker Runke's uh, original game, Labyrinth, which was his pre-coin uh, game and a really interesting game in its own right. And it was very focused on the question of stability abroad. It didn't really get into the weeds on what form of government different countries have abroad, but how stable the region. Um, Now, to Jason's point, the uh, presumption of Mr. President is still that an American presence of some kind or another, right, be it diplomatic, military, economic, whatever, or all the above, somehow or other that is beneficial.
2: Bring stability, right? It's like yeah, the, that's, that's how you encourage stability is by increasing our right. economic, you know, whatever it is, and that's another right. one. So, like it does, the game does model on some level, like in the most abstract way, kind of like economic. And can, and can I throw
0: in one thing? Yeah, um, and, and I'm sure you, you'd be interested in this too, right, Jason? Uh, it also shows the Russians and Chinese exerting their yeah. influence in a similar way abroad. Um, yes, which, I was going to so I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, and it's potentially another, um, you know ideological assumption made by the game, right, is that um, among the superpowers, let's say the big three, right, that there is a zero sum game at work and that only one of those three powers is gonna win. Um, and so you're constantly trying to stop Chinese and Russian influence from growing around the world. And so the game's assumption is they're doing the same things that your superpower is doing uh, in order to exert you know, spheres of influence. Um, And I think the game just assumes that's the way of the world. It doesn't question uh that way of looking at geopolitics
2: yeah and if you know what's going on so let's take the example of china the belt and road initiative so like they are going to africa and they're going to these other places they're trying to establish diplomatic ties matter of fact i think i just read something where china is trying to intercede as a diplomat uh they they interceded in the middle east and they've tried to intercede in this current conflict uh in uh, specifically to israel but they've you know kind of they manage like discussion between saudi arabia and iran so like on the diplomatic front and like in africa there's all these places. you know they they build airports they build roads all that kind of thing like none of that is modeled <laughs> like basically they're these like big they're red chits and like ad- that advancing on the track is like a total bad thing i guess from the perspective of the game yes because you're in this dashboard you're sure you're steering the chip of state and like you know them increasing will put friction into out what we're steering but the game can't handle the idea that like maybe the people on the ground might be benefiting from increased uh you know Russian or Chinese intervention, whether it's uh whatever that whatever they're doing. Um the game, I mean, so I don't love criticizing a game depending on like what it's not there because there's already so much in here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't fit, but it is, I, I just want to kind of put it out there that like because of the perspective of the game, because of where the game should situate the player, who's an agent, who's not, certain things are going to be said and certain things are are almost like impossible. To be said in the game unless the player reads it in. And something like, you know, the the US operating in some kind of like multipolar world where other countries have their interest and it's not necessarily antithetical to the US, that's not able to be built into the game system.
0: Uh there is one mechanic that I find uh interesting and kind of gets at the agency of other nations a little bit, not to the degree Jason's talking about. I think I agree with him that. Um, It definitely is a game from the perspective of great powers, right? right? Like a lot of war games tend to be. Um, But it does get into your relationships with allies throughout the world. So your relationship with the Gulf states in Saudi Arabia, Israel, Japan, South Korea, you name it. Um, And to some degree, one thing I I actually like about the game is some of those allies and your adversaries like Iran, North Korea, etc., rogue states, they can take um autonomous action. they can take unilateral action and do things you didn't exactly ask them to do or maybe don't want them to do. So the game does try to capture some of that agency, but that's not its guiding perspective. Let's right. put it that way. It's from the perspective you know the aerial perspective of a of a superpower
2: and a superpower that does good things, a beneficial superpower a benevolent superpower and that is very much a thing that need that I would. I don't know if this game can handle the questioning but it is valuable to put it out there that like this game does not question i don't think so in any fundamental way like you mentioned the event deck like you have to dive into the event deck you already have to be in, like you know year two turn 16 in order to be like oh wow negative america event that's different than having it emerge from like chit placement and dice rolling a narrative so uh, in terms of like that core mechanical stuff that's like independent of what i read on cards yeah that's it's a little whatever criticism that have American empire are definitely buried in somewhere.
1: Yeah. I think this actually comes around to like the larger issue too, of, you know, it's when you're critiquing a game, right. You have to determine what you think the game is trying to say, and then decide whether it does a good job of that. And then you right. also have to look at that wider context and like, what doesn't it say that maybe it should have, how do I'm we, saying. you know, how do we kind of assess for what is good? So I would say that in terms of teaching plate spinning and all the different things a president might have to worry about actually mr president is great for that like if you want to look at like if you were the president of the united states what kind of crap would you have to think about every day and like maybe you'd have more and less reliable people like i love that even things like you weren't charming enough at the state of the union (laughs) can happen um (laughs) it's, it's fantastic right but then yeah when you look at these kind of wider you know it's a very america centric game in the sense that it doesn't question our business being in other parts of the world and like I consider myself very pro-america i consider myself very much a patriot but i also think that we live in a world with a bunch of other players and that you know this kind of continues that narrative of like we're the only country that matters and um you know i i i think it's cool but i also do think that y'all's criticisms you know make a lot of sense that said do you think i mean you know i don't know jason you said it i don't know that mr president could contain any more than it already does frankly (laughs) So I guess kind of where I wanted to go for the next part of this conversation is, do you think that Mr. President earns its weight and earns its size? Is it too bloated and it's just too much, or does it have to be as big as it is to encompass the things that it does? Yeah, Paul.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I think it earns its weight. If you're into this kind of experience, I, I that is an important caveat. It's not a game for everybody. Um, I think it's a game people should give a try, right? They might discover they have an appetite for the plate spinning. Um, And I think given all the things it's trying to model and simulate in contemporary geopolitics, um, it it has to be as complex as it is. And that still falls short as we're seeing, right? Falls short of the actual reality of things. I mean, any game that claims to be a perfect simulation of anything is gonna fall short somewhere. Um, but for me, it earns, uh, it earns the time it, it requires, it earns the footprint on my table, uh, it earns the, the engagement and thinking, I can see ways to use it in a classroom um, that excite my mind. Um, but, you know, you have to make that decision carefully, right? Is it the right investment uh, for you? Because it is a lot of um, overhead in terms of all the systems you have to manage.
2: Yes. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I I don't use that word lightly. I've never called a game Magisteria my entire reviewing career. Um, I mean, maybe like a Lacerda game, you know, I, I, one of those kind of things. But even then, you know, like, you know, we talked about Lisboa, like enjoying that Lisboa. I mean, this is a step beyond because, you know, Lisboa is the, um, as an example of Vital Lacerda game, very heavy Euro uh people gonna at me it's like oh that's not the heavy (laughs) it's like to me it's heavy uh so you know it but it's covering like a moment in time like you know uh uh, lisbon has been uh, destroyed has been destroyed by an earthquake and they're trying to build it up very small like the scope and the ambition of the game you're talking about 20 years of the presidency and you're talking about like you know paulo mentioned the scenarios like the scenarios are lifted from real life as they say on the TV right you <laughs> know you know, it's like 2020 is a scenario and who's the president at that point you kind of read that in uh, so like the game system can accomplish all that and so I think um, my where my big asterisk on this and the, the where I get frustrated it, it really does come down to the dice rolls I, I have a rule generally the longer a game is the less stomach I have for randomness and not not just like input randomness like you know give me the cards give me the crises give me the chits give me the whatever that's all fine I, i'll react to all that but the output randomness you know i roll a die and i fail and i get nothing right and then i if i use my ap which is not always the right thing to do and i've had a situation uh a, a too doesn't happen too often but when it does it's really crappy that nothing and you mentioned the impeachment right like the impeachment that really comes down to a role like you, <laughs> sometimes you you do you, you're you're there's a very high stakes role it can only have so many drms and if you miss the role you're done and it's it, i i don't know like that that seems like very much kind of an old school war gamer like you know I, I, well i missed the role uh, for my infantry so i guess i'm gonna get rolled and all that kind of thing And there seems to be have been a tolerance set a build up in that community uh that i just don't i can't and at the at the end of the day like when i talk about a heavy game uh should a heavy game come down to that you know I mean, should he- a, should a heavy game be as prone to that and yes you can do a million things to mitigate and you, you, you know all these all oh, whatever else but like a, really but the end of the day it is it does come down certain things come down to die rolls or like success die rolls can mess you up and so like i it just it I don't know like i i I had a real time i had a real hard and i have a i have a big i have a big appetite as you say but that one just was a really hard pill to
0: swallow for me at the end of the day on the impeachment uh front because you mentioned that um i I do think it's it doesn't come down to just one role because the impeachment process and and the scandal might be for you It might be for one of your cabinet members. It might not be about you, it might be your VP, whoever. But the scandal kind of rolls out in stages. So it takes some time before you're actually finished, right before you're, right. you're out of office. And you may be able to put the brakes on it and kind of kill the scandal. Um, what I have found though, and maybe this is maybe your experience too, um, if you're in the tank in your relations with Congress, and in the tank in your relations with the media, all of which are tracked, and in the tank in your relationships with your own party. Mm -hmm. If those three things are are really low, it's hard to reverse that. And any scandal is probably going to just roll on down the line to you being in serious trouble or losing the game. So there can feel like situations in the game, and this may be just one of them, where you feel, you don't have much way to to squirm out of it. You don't have to reverse course sufficiently, so there can be a slippery slope feel uh, to some of the aspects of the game.
2: Right, and so to to your point, right. So I, I didn't want to make it seem like okay, it, a card of impeachment, and then you have to roll. That's not it. I uh, it really is like okay, you know, a certain conditions in the game will check against how you're doing, like your your cabinet effectiveness, right? And you know, mentioned before, like the domestic situation is there a good economy? Is that good, a, you know? So like a lot of that well you know see so, so you have a lot of chances to shore that up i guess like the game can be prone to let's say like you had a couple of those bad roles and in some really key spots like said before there's there's sections right so like you really do have um, you know one chance quote unquote to shore up that um what you call your congressional support let's say and let's say you just missed that role he's like okay you know what i can't do everything and then you know something else comes along Uh, So there are certain key points that you may have hit or miss and you have to like decide whatever, but then something will come in later in the game that just hits you right in your soft point. And really, and and you you didn't prepare for that because the game doesn't show you that coming in a Euro game, you can kind of see these things coming because it's not as much randomness as like, okay, if I, you know, I'm going to hit a point where I don't have enough sheep, and then I'm gonna (laughs) need a lot of sheep and I'm gonna (laughs) run into a wall, I see that coming, but like in this game. Okay, I missed a couple roles when it comes to like that congressional support or whatever it is, and then wham, I didn't need to get hit by that card that's an impeachment, but I happened to get hit by the impeachment, hit me right in the nads, and I can't, and I really can't do anything about it. So it's an additive thing, but mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I know there's a slight different point that what Liz was talking about in terms of the heaviness, but like it's a if you're gonna call something kind of heavy, right? It's very um, dissonant to me. Call something heavy that is at the same time open to this kind of like bottom falling out.
0: At
1: the same time, though, like, I mean, this is sort of meta, I suppose, but politics as a whole is like that. I mean, think about all the money and effort that went into like the Howard Dean primary, and all he had to do was go, yeah, on camera one (laughs) time, and it was over. He was done over um you know or you think this isn't the howard dean game i don't want to play the howard
2: dean game. (laughs) i want to spend 20 hours playing howard dean
1: (laughs) but like i mean think about how a presidency can be going well and then maybe there's a natural disaster or there is a bombing or there is you know um a drought in a key part of the country and then all of a sudden they're bad president like you know it's like a pretty it's a pretty common thing i think in in human life
0: to, to your point liz um and this i think is a nice design choice in the game uh you have plenty of events that are one and dones you know they happen they get discarded end of story you may or may not see them in your game um, but it also has quite a lot of events that they call cascading events mm-hmm. that appear and then they will go into another pile and possibly recur with more implications and problems that flow out of the initial issue and there even can be a third uh deck that they go into and then they cycle out again and give you more headaches so you kind of see um, a rolling crisis aspect of the sort you're talking about and it does give you some hint right that if you don't prepare for the next time this event comes your way right the ramifications of the first thing that happened natural disaster political crisis whatever it is if you don't prep for that um, you may lose the game or you may have a lot of other problems that you didn't want and I've found sometimes I can't keep track of all the things that could cascade out and then it cascades out and I remember oh yeah that happened and we didn't really follow up on the implications of that and now we're paying the price so to some degree the game can uh, shaft you (laughs) it can certainly do that Uh, and in other respects you shaft yourself because you just forgot that this thing was simmering And you got distracted by 20 other things that are all important too. And and that's just kind of the game. Again, you'd have to have an appetite for that, you know, fun house quality of it uh, or how fun (laughs) that's going to be. To me, it is fun to deal with those issues, but it wouldn't be everybody's cup of
1: tea. So speaking of appetite, I will say, so y'all kind of gave your assessment. I would say in terms of, is it worth all of this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say yes, in the sense that the game is never leaving my collection. But no, in the sense that I'm not going to set this thing up more than maybe once a year. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, uh, But that said, Paul, if y'all decide to have another administration and you need another cabinet member, I do kind of want to play it
0: We we, w- we will likely do another at some point. Yeah, it is much <laughs> easier to do it online. Um, I will be shocked if this isn't implemented digitally uh, in, in a more full and rich way mm-hmm. uh, at some point. I think it's just crying out for that because a lot of people will not have the table space for this.
1: Yeah. So do not get this like, too. Um,
2: speaking of Speaking to your point of like uh, the fan scenarios and all that kind, there is second edition stuff cooking, and yeah. we are going to get like more iterations of this. I mean, this is—I this is, mean, look it, for what it is. If you know what you're getting into it, so it really is a home run. Like it, it is a massive 400 cra- foot home run. Like I, I i have to admire this stuff. You know, I have some personal problems with it as a you know a, a critic of government. I just think it's so blue sky and it's so like naive and hagiographical that like I have like so I'm mad and I have a problem with it and I'm gonna continue to articulate my problem and also just the idea of like as a game as a big game that I admit is a huge like you know basically a a, a whole run of a like a um a prestige series on an HBO or something but to have that experience kind of like I, I can't incorporate the level of output dice rolling into that experience. Like, it just drops me out of that. So you know, I if, if that was a little bit different if there was more mitigation, then sure, maybe that's my euro brain talking. But those two issues kind of, but those are all personal, I, I, you know, for the most part, I can totally, you know, if you're interested, totally recommend
0: checking it out. Oh,
1: any last thoughts about it. I want to ask one more general question before you wrap it.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: So basically, I, you know, we talked a lot about Mr. President, so this will be a shorter aspect of the discussion than I intended, but I did want to talk about kind of length creep and size creep and how do you know that a game is really worth it versus how do you know if it's bloat? I would say that in the sense of what Mr. President is trying to do, yes, it's big, but I wouldn't necessarily call anything I've experienced so far and I need to play it more times to be sure. Right? Bloat. Mm -hmm. Um, but what does the game have to be doing? To justify a large size or a heavy weight,
2: it has to engage you. Like I, I like this game is engaging, you know. And like so, I can like I've been at half hour games that are bloated. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's true. We've <laughs> <laughs> reviewed plenty of the list. Yeah. <laughs> But you know this game is twenty hours, and even though I felt because I have a a a, a picadillo about the dice rolling, and it really mostly comes from the dice rolling, um, the the output dice rolling. uh, I mean, I have that person picadillo, but like if I didn't, which a lot of people don't. Then this game offers so many opportunities for engrossment. Like you know, this is what Paul was saying in terms of, you know, um, uh, how like what brings you back again and again and again It's like okay, I, a totally different adventure, <laughs> a totally different uh, way to manage the crises and a totally different way that the administration builds out. Like I can, you know, I mean, even something as simple as like the secretaries of state, like they make up all the names. But like if you get into it you remember who the secretary or who secretary of state was you remember that like okay this person got into a scandal and then they were fired and like when i when you get to a point maybe this is a little bit more uh, you know drilling out a little bit like if a game has quote unquote characters and you remember the characters you remember their names like that's not bloat at all to me like and i don't care if i was there four days you know? mm-hmm. i have played like giant dungeon crawlers that are like bloated as heck I've taken you know MMOs that are blowed to that- head because I don't care about the characters, but like I've also played those games where like I remember when my squire Phil or whatever it is you know leapt into the chasm and saved the party, uh, and this is the same thing with this game. Like I remember when my Secretary of State did this. I remember when you know um, Iraq was a constant problem and I had to like kind of manage. They become a character uh, in a sense. So like I, I just it, it is a total experiential thing for me, and I think Mr. President, I think that's where a lot of the dev and the time came from. You could tell it was, it's just totally intentional. Layering stuff in to enable that story to come along and then that engagement at the end of the day
0: Yeah, for for me, um, and I mentioned this earlier and obviously not inventing this idea, (laughs) right? But the emergent narrative Power of the game is is what draws me to most games, frankly Um, And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jason Lisboa because I think that's a great example of an emergent narrative, too and the beauty of that game to me is that it illuminates uh, for people, uh, an aspect of, of of Portuguese history and, you know, the history of natural disasters in in Europe, uh, and their impact on civilian populations that illuminates something that most games never even think about, (laughs) let alone explore in depth. So I'm looking for games that, uh, that do that for me, that teach me something, or at least make me Mm -hmm. curious enough Mm -hmm. about something to learn more about it. Did I know something about that earthquake before I played Lisboa? I did, because I had taught uh, Voltaire's Candide. And Voltaire's mm-hmm. Candide was inspired in part by the uh, twisted reaction to the carnage that Voltaire saw in a lot of his fellow Europeans, people who were basically explaining in a way as God's will and oh too bad. Um, and so he wrote Candide as a kind of rage-filled rejection, you know, of that, that kind of thinking that all is God's plan. Um, so having read that, I, I kind of knew something about the earthquake, but I had never thought deeply about the you know on the ground impact of it and what it would mean for Lisboa to rebuild. Um, and the game illuminated that for me. So that's what I'm looking for in games. And to your question, Liz, because I, I did some thinking about it when you asked in the email uh, and just looked at my own collection of games. So take that for what you will, right? Because it's, it's <laughs> yeah my you're a heavy gamer. That's why you <laughs> well I'm a heavy gamer and it's confirmation bias, right? I look at my own collection. It's a big collection. Um, but I noticed a couple of different categories of things that I would consider um, heavy or a big investment or you know um, uh, uh, a challenge. Um, one would just be something like a legacy game, but those aren't necessarily complicated, they're long, right? They mm-hmm. have lots and lots of chapters. So something like Pandemic Legacy or Assassin's Creed, Brotherhood of Venice, things like that, right? They're just gonna take a long time to play. Then you have rule systems that are incredibly heavy but only uh in aggregate right and we talked about this earlier right no one part of mr president is actually that hard but you put them all together it's challenging advanced squad leader is that kind of game you will never use all the rules in asl but one of the great things about it is you don't need to you can play simple short scenarios of advanced squad leader that only use infantry rules and no other complications and i'm not saying that's an easy game but it's not as hard as it's historically made out to be so it's the difference between uh, rules load versus scenario load. And that's a very scenario driven game. Uh, I'm thinking too of games that are heavy by scope, time, uh, unit density, rules density, uh, things like uh, Twilight Imperium, uh, which I can play in one day with the right group, but is not for everybody. Or something like World in Flames, which is the next thing my gaming group is doing. It's kind of a bucket list game for us. And it's going to take years to finish. I am not even making that up. That's why I have some uh, space on my table underneath the top in order to hold this game uh, in perpetuity. Uh, Then you have games that are uh, heavy by way of intricacy of interlocking systems, right, and decision space. So think of Europa Universalis, which I know you've covered, Liz. Uh, I was on that episode. Lacerda games, I think, work well in that regard. Hegemony, you know, in the last year has shown the power of interlocking systems, and then games that are focused on contingency and over-determined causation. And I'm thinking here of the coin system in that regard, because what coin did to change card-driven war games, um, originally, you know, CDGs when Mark Herman designed them, they were a hand of cards and the cards were multi-purpose, but you kind of controlled how those cards got rolled out of your hand, right? Good or bad, you kind of control the flow. But in a coin game, there's only ever one card up at any time, right? So this is the issue that everybody's going to have to deal with. And you don't know the one that comes after it, or you may know the one that comes after it, but not the one after that. So um, games that that highlight contingency and highlight the fragility of your decision making. I think these are all different ways that games can be heavy. And I love all of those, but I'm an omni-gamer and I'm not pretending that's everyone's taste.
1: That's fair. yeah, and I think that um, kind of coming around so I'll, I'll I'll wrap on this too. It's when I think about the weight of a game and whether something justifies it, I, it comes back to what I said before about how to critique something, right? What is the game trying to do? and how effectively does it do that thing? I have a much higher tolerance for very heavy rule sets and for larger extents of time if the game is giving me something back for that that is either just total engrossment or you know it's making a point that's really interesting to think about and i don't think that those things are necessarily dependent on the weight of the game i think that it could be as light or as heavy as it needs to be it just has to do something that makes me feel like i spend my time well um so i actually really you know i've played price of power a couple times at the europa universalis board game and my god i love that game and I'm just hooked on it like i'm just completely riveted to whatever is happening the entire time and the entire time can mean that we started at noon and we played until 7 p.m very few games have that effect on you honestly is hypnotic so that's how i know right that it's worth the wait um and i sort of feel the same way like when mr president's going uh you know that the the term that i played it there were points where it was hard to stop <laughs> because i just wanted to keep going Right. And so it's like, oh, like I really need to eat now. Or like, oh, I really need to like feed the cat now. <laughs> yeah. Uh but you know, it's it's that quality I think that I'm looking for in a in a high yeah. investment game.
2: Yeah, I think like in terms of its construction, I think Mr. President was very intentional about the different moments. You know, uh, so, you know, at the beginning, it's, you know, you have your little things and then uh, the, the crisis deck is constructed, it's, it's, it, there's, some, there's certain decks that are tiered, so like, you know, so they'll come here, it'll come here, it'll come here. Uh, so, like, I think there was just a ton of intention. Okay, year one is going to feel like this, year two could feel like this, there's this. And there's just like, you know, there's a very lot of thought. I, I don't, I didn't get the sense that like, you know, a, a big um, example of bloat coming to the, the adventures uh, side, uh, Tainted Grail was a game from Awakened Realms and you know there's a there's a core there right and they wanted to get that core across the core is very good but then they also want it to be a big game so it's like let's take this core and go here and take this core and go here and it's like okay you're what are you doing with that core how is it developing you're like, you're, you're kind of trusting that going here and going there is gonna be interesting for the player but you're not really giving me anything and that, that's where it turns into bloat that's where it turns like okay you're not there's, there's not a lot of intention uh, in terms of like, well, what kind of fun am I gonna have? What kind of story am I gonna develop? It's just right. more. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I never ever got the sense in, in Mr. President, that it's giving me more for just more for more yeah. sake. Every single element and uh, that I've encountered, I've, I've I've been I've been played to the extent of all have, but that I've encountered, I've seen and streams and all kind of thing. Everything seemed intentional. Here, you're gonna have this little wrinkle now and re- react to that and respond to that, etc and you know so that, that, that's a big difference too and that's and that's a, a part of why i say this is a, a quote-unquote magisterial game because the craft the level of craft that went into even just at the end even the little side things that happened I, I just feel like so much was put into it and it shows
0: i would second so much what jason's saying there and just as an alternate history you know thought experiment if this game were crowdfunded how would it have been ruined because I think a lot of the bloat we're talking about is connected to a certain model of crowdfunding that we've all seen, right? Where more and more gets layered on. More and characters, it's more scenarios, that, more, right. yep, more, more adventures, yep, yep. And sometimes it's stuff that should have been in the base game and other times it's stuff that you didn't need at all. It didn't need to be there but you had to justify the stretch goals. And I think this game is in this way a game of an older time and was designed without that sort of crowdfunding mentality around it. Um, And and before we would end, I I would mention to Jason's earlier point about taking the perspectives of other uh, countries into account, right? Something Mr. President by design isn't ultimately trying to do, right? I wonder if it will inspire other people to design their own games you know, with the lens of another nation um, another community, another people. Um, and the one that I, I mentioned off screen earlier is really excellent. It's a solo game. It's short, it's rich, but not very complex, and you can play it in an afternoon. It's called Rogue State by Mike Molyneux. And it is uh, all from the perspective of North Korea, from the end of World War II to the present. So basically it's playing a Mr. President style game from the standpoint of a regime that in Mr. President is deemed to be only a problem. And when you play rogue state, you actually uh, start to see the complexity of North Korea's situation. And it doesn't sugarcoat the abuses of that regime in any way, um, but it also shows that it is in a very tenuous position vis-a-vis you know, the, the world political scene. And so I think the more games we see developed that adopt a Mr. President style approach, the more we start to address the blindnesses or shortcomings, you know, of Mm -hmm. of the design as we have it, which I think is pioneering in its way, but should be a first word and not the
1: last word. Mm -hmm. Nice. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to stop this large mr president discussion but i think we really could go on we could go on as long as it takes to play a game of mr president there we, we could do like an extra life set. <laughs> 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 uh but what else have y'all been playing recently that brings you joy jason
2: uh i just got oh um so okay so here yeah uh, from one mod red Petterson is a little tiny game from impatience uh and I, I i'm you know good friends with uh the, that the, the outfit over there i get sent through copies of scovanteer and siberian uh so siberian have you gotten a chance to play that liz yet or no okay. I'm so,
1: i need a copy so
2: okay so we we're gonna continue our review of the universe uh yes. we'll get to we'll have to cast, re-rank um, siberian um i got scovanteer at the same time and i enjoy scovanteer way more uh this is not an Oniverse game but it's in that spirit it's small it's you know quick and i i, I love it it's um this you're playing. It's in the Danish folklore, right? Uh, so you're playing like this little badger creature, the the watger, and you are. It's a, very simple. You have like a, a a cards that are laid out, seven oversized cards, six oversized cards, a forest laid on a clock symbol, and then you have a river of cards that represent, you know, the denizens of the forest that are helping you, and you're drafting those cards. But each time you draft those cards, you could, you know, trigger the Gamla Eric, which is like this um fi- this this evil figure. Uh, so you're drafting a card, you're using the cards to defeat uh, minions, and so you have to use enough cards in a way that doesn't trigger the Gomla Eric too much. <laughs> so this is a very delicious push pull, and also there's a deck thinning thing where the more you use your minions, the more they disappear, and then the, the Gomla Eric cards are going to coming and coming and coming. So by the end, your deck is all Gomla Eric cards, and you're barely holding on, and and, and you know it's it's this very delicious uh, tension, small game, it's excellent. Um, and I just got delivered Earthborne Rangers, but I can't wait to get into. Uh, so I recently had a design crunch with um I, mean, I think I've mentioned a couple of times. I'm designing People's History United States the board game. That's ongoing. We've ripped up four different designs and we're on <laughs> uh, very hard nut to crack, but I had a, a design kind of rush. So, you know, based on Scovin actually I was I was inspired by that game and brought some concepts in. Uh, and then, you know, so once so that's done. And I'm also, unfortunately, that Arab-Israeli, or the, the Israeli conflict in Palestine is taking a lot of my attention. So I'm reading up on it, listening to a lot of podcasts. So once I get through that part of my you know intellectual life, I'm going to dive right into Earthborn Rangers, and I can't wait for that.
0: Nice. Paul? So I've got two new or newish ones going, and one that's older, but just I'm loving discovering, or rather rediscovering it. Uh, the newer ones, one would be uh, Almoravid, which is um, part of the Levying Campaign series that Volkerunke has embarked on. And much as he did with the Coin series, which certainly shook up the wargaming world and continues to be debated by the wargaming world. Um, he did something similar with Levying campaign, Campaign, um, which is showing its resiliency as a system across periods and, and contexts. And its basic focus right, is the logistics of medieval warfare, the difficulty of keeping uh, armies in the field, the difficulty of maintaining feudal relationships between all these various lords. It does not assume you just pick your force and apply power and see results, wash, rinse, repeat. It doesn't see it that way at all. Your biggest challenges are logistical, supplies, equipment, um, uh, uh, cattle, <laughs> provender, you name it, all the elements of actual warfare in that period are covered. But what I love about El Norved in particular is it really, I think, is a pretty sensitive take on the conflict between Muslims and Christians in medieval Spain. And so I, I think it has a, a healthy respect for the nuances of that situation that a lot of games that covered those kinds of conflicts before did not. They were historically pretty pro-Christian. Takes on the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend that series. I also just got and have been soloing, but haven't had a chance to play with people yet. Uh, Defcon One, which is uh, a game from Asynchron, a French company that has courted some contra- controversy over the years with crowdfunding issues. But um, finally, Defcon One is released. And basically, it's what the designer calls Uchrony, uh, an alternate history of the Cold War, and particularly a Cold War turned hot. So it has five blocks represented. You have the Atlantic Alliance, which is basically the US and UK. You have the French Republic on its own. You have the Warsaw Pact. You have the People's Republic of China. And then you have the non-aligned movement, which is basically all the countries that didn't want to get drawn into the Cold War. So it's kind of fascinating, very asymmetrical game. It's a game that allows you to go into heavy have military conflict, including nuclear conflict, without a whole lot of rules overhead. It's not a complex game at all. Um, it has its wrinkles and things that that I wish were a little different, but I've been enjoying digging into it because it's been promised for a while. And the one that I've revisited is Wir sind das Volk. We Are the People, which is a German design uh, about the tensions between East and West Germany from uh, the end of World War II to the fall of the wall. Um, it's kind of like Twilight Struggle for East and West Germany, but really thoughtful, smart, game with a lot of euro elements but also some card driven war game elements Um, you can even play a four player version where you have not only east and west germany but also the soviet union the united states Um, and they make natural alliances as you can imagine with east or west germany but only one of those four can win the game so there's that that built-in kind of coin style tension between the factions
1: Man, i gotta play that that's awesome it's a good
0: game it's also you can play it online uh, a, notice the word.
2: difference. Tiny game about Danish folklore about a badger running around a forest and that. <laughs>
0: so my I want to play game, the folklore game.
1: <laughs> my game that I've been playing, I've, i was mentioning it before we in our like pre-chat. I played it for the first time yesterday. I've just been waiting and waiting. It's a light game, but not uh spiritually. Uh it's the gods will have blood by Dan Burke. Mm. He did like this weird little boutique project. We only published 200 copies of this game. He signed and numbered each one. I set an alarm to make sure that I would not miss. The crowdfunding and i backed it when the alarm went off and i was in the car and so i was like nope we're not missing this <laughs> um but it's basically you are responsible for show trials during the french revolution and people come up and different things happen depending on the verdict um of whether they get to live or die and you're trying to maintain the legitimacy of the court you're trying to maintain your own reputation And you're also trying to save a couple of the cards that are in the deck that are like a past lover or like a friend. Um, but you can lose your soul as the game progresses as well. Like there are little, just a few little white cubes in the bag that represent mercy and they can be removed. And so you lose the game by either getting whacked yourself because you played the system and you played yourself and now you're going to go in the guillotine, or you can lose the game by becoming an utterly soulless monster. And it's very simple. It's like a tiny little deck of cards, maybe like 30 something cards, some cubes and like a little canvas mat and a couple of That's it. Is this commercially
0: available? Is it, is it?
1: I will lend it yet. to you because I trust okay. you to mail it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: What what did we each back most recently? I'm curious about that. What's your latest thing that you've backed? Talking about crowdfunding.
1: (laughs) I went in huge on Molly House. I'm pretty sure I I did too. beg for a review copy, but I decided not to because I wanted to back Joe's project badly.
0: Yeah, I did too. That's my latest. Uh,
2: My wife had a Kickstarter. (laughs) Uh, She she is a jazz singer uh, and she backed her debut EP. So I'm going to say that.
1: Nice. Uh, no late funding,
2: awesome. no anything. But we, uh, so this was a couple of months ago, and I helped her do it. She's not a board gamer. She doesn't know anything about this stuff. You know, uh, she comes down, and sees my wall, and she rolls her eyes and all that other stuff, but she loves me. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know, I, it, it, it happens like I happen to, you know, cover Kickstarters. I know a lot of people who know about Kickstarter. She's like, I need to raise money for my project. And I'm like, let's try Kickstarter. So we put together a Kickstarter, put together the video. We learned a lot about how, how it works, and we funded at $7,000. And we paid for a band, we paid for the studio time, the mixing, and this the band recording is done. And she's less layer vocal tracks, but we're looking to have a completed album by next year. Are there that stretch goals? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> 7,000 and out. <laughs> <Leave> <laughs>
1: <the line. laughs> Amazing. And then where can each of you be found online? Jason, I think everybody who listens knows, but say it again anyway. <laughs> Shelf
2: Stories GBL. I'm still on Twitter uh still using it because uh the other stuff is still growing uh but i am on blue sky as well so you can look for me on blue sky Shelf story gbl as well uh and tuning down facebook and you know BGG, uh user pope6 this uh and my video channel is like i'm i'm kind of you know putting that to bed for a little while i think i've said everything i'm gonna say <laughs> uh and I'll, I'll pump it up whenever there's like something else to say uh, but my video channels, um, basically, kind of there uh, for videos. I'm just doing happy, fun time stuff in the one-time, one-stop co-op shop. I do playthroughs every week.
1: Nice.
0: And for me, uh, the best place probably is via email. I'm at paul at uh, villanova edu. And uh, another option is on BGG, where I'm Paulus uh, Paul with the U.S. Uh, Borgia, B O R G I A.
1: Yes, I also made you join Blue Sky, and you are there as- Paul You did. I am well. now on Blue Sky. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Uh, and then I, who am terminally online, am on everywhere as Beyond Solitaire. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about Mr. President. This was awesome, I really appreciate it. Um, and those of you who are out there, please like, subscribe, comment, and most of all, happy gaming. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop
0: Co-op Shop Podcast.